0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You want the good news, you want the bad news?
1: I don't like even
0: one of those options. Your words are super wise, man.
2: You are a
3: prophet? You deserve a prophet?
0: You do whatever you want.
3: Who am I to tell you what to do? But you're a psychologist. Well, I know less than you do.
1: You're making me a better parent and a better wife, and thank God you're on the radio.
3: What planet are you on? I don't buy any of that
0: stuff. you I'm looking for a deeper answer. What are you talking about?
1: You make my afternoon really fun enjoy ya. You're about the most exciting thing I have right now. <laughs>
0: Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray.
3: Well, for our anniversary, my wife asked me to take her to one of those restaurants where they make the food right in front of you. So I took her to Subway. And the rest of the anniversary was not pleasant. Come on, it's right there. Two sandwiches, six inches. get the second six incher free. Besides, it wasn't one of those anniversaries like 25 or 40 or 50. It was one of the middle ones. You know, those numbers that don't really have anything attached to them like cotton or gold or silver or platinum or uranium. Yeah, that's, that would be one, wouldn't it? Uranium. <laughs> this is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. This is Look Back Friday. Take previous calls. Edited at the capable hands of Andrew Kruchek, and I suspect there are times when he edits me out a lot. I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But we will take the call, and then I usually make notes about the call because there's more to talk about. There's always more to talk about, and this is not therapy. Uh, But sometimes there are terms used. Sometimes there are tangents that I don't go off on because... The caller says, this is my main concern, even though I think there could be tangential concerns. So, that's what Look Back Friday is for. I was in an evangelical church for several years. In the Bible study, I had a number of Catholics, and one of their consistent recollections was... I was never taught the faith. I never heard about Jesus as Lord and Savior. I just I went through I went through CCD and I just I just didn't hear anything about what I'm learning now here in this church. Now, many of you who are still Catholic, you were raised Catholic, and you look back and you say, yeah, there was a period of time when, uh, when what they taught us about the faith, we you know, we'd go to CCD and we'd draw, we'd, draw, we'd draw hearts and we'd draw umbrellas and we'd all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Yeah, there was, there was that. And uh, Richard John Newhouse called it the season of silliness. However, in most cases, the faith was taught. Well, if it was taught, Dr. Ray, I don't remember it. If it was taught, it was few and far between. Here's the parallel I draw. In the eighth grade, we had to take Ohio history. And pretty much every student in Ohio, somewhere in middle school or junior high, it was junior high when I was there, had to take Ohio history. So when I... Hear someone from Ohio talking about, well, you know, I just I just was never taught the faith at all. That's it. Just never never taught any of it. I ask him, Did you take Ohio history? Yeah, I had a full year of it. What do you remember? Well, um, um, well let's see. Ohio's a state. Good good what else uh wasn't uh, wasn't one of the first states okay i'll give you that all right what else um it's got some counties i don't remember how many i know we had to remember i know we had to remember how many but i don't remember how many it's 88 by the way but okay what else about ohio uh oh boy well it was probably uh there's probably a lot of wilderness there, huh? Maybe. You know, a lot of lot of uh wildlife. That yeah. They don't remember anything. I don't remember anything about Ohio. I had a whole year of Ohio history. It was intense too. Every day. It wasn't once a week on Sundays. It was every day. Now why was this? Two reasons. One, I wasn't all that interested. Yeah. I learned it so I could regurgitate it on the test. But after it was done, I forgot it. That's one. Two, I was 13. And that was a long time ago. So I'm sure I remembered much more about Ohio three years after I was 13, then 10 years after I was 13, then 20 years after I was 13, then 30 years after I was 13. So there's a part of me that gets frustrated with people saying, we never learned that, they never taught us that. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They never taught us that the Eucharist was the body and blood of Christ. Of course they did. at somewhere along the line you got that. You don't remember it. Maybe you didn't pay attention to it. You weren't really all that enthused about learning it. You are now. When people say things like, well, now I'm finally learning about my faith. Yeah, you are, because you know why? You're interested. You're open to it. You're embracing it. You want to know about it. When you were 12, it's like, yeah, okay. It's like, yeah, that's okay. The Eucharist, body, and blood of Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. What else? That's very common. That's development. So I guess part of me was spurred on in hearing this from people in the Bible studies that said, yeah, we just never got taught any of this. Oh, please. We never read the Bible. Of course you did. You went to Mass. You had three readings. on a three-year cycle. All New Testament. Had a lady in one of my Bible studies, who said, and she was probably 50-ish, I went to Catholic schools for 12 years. Went to Mass. I never heard Jesus Christ called Lord and Savior. Now, at that time, I was moving toward the Catholic Church. I was going to Mass on Sundays before the evangelical service with my wife she was evangelical at the time i went and got a missal missalette and i counted how many times in one mass jesus was called lord savior son of god lamb of god prince of peace i counted not counting the homily and the gospel. It was somewhere between 30 and 40 times. I couldn't resist saying when I went back to that Bible study the next week. I asked her, I said, you, you said you, you never heard Jesus Christ preached as Lord or Savior? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Twelve years. Twelve years i was there. She was adamant. She was bitter toward the church. There was obviously other stuff. And I said, well, I went back, and I got a missalette, and I counted. And I told her what I just told you. And then I said, where were you? <laughs> so i guess for me yeah yeah i hear a lot of older folks say you know i was never really taught the faith yes you were you were taught it at least enough to know the basics but you either weren't interested because you were a kid or it was so long ago you forgot it like ohio history the only thing you remember after one year of ohio history is that Ohio's a state and that's pretty much it you're not really even sure about that but but you read it somewhere, you read it in trivia. So, in fact, be careful when you say, oh, gosh, I'm finally learning the faith, and I, I just never learned it back then. Well, it may not have been because you weren't taught it. It may have been because you weren't all that receptive to it, which you are now. That's good. All righty, when we come back, we'll jump on these look-back calls, and we'll see what's going on. This is Dr. Ray.
4: Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray
3: Gerindy here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children, tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org.
0: That is seatonhome.org.
3: Well, I just signed up. Just signed up for Ave Maria Radio's four oh one K. And I'll admit I was reluctant to do it. I've never run that far in my life. So we'll see. I asked them if they had something a little less. Good to have you. Dr. Ray Grandy, program doctors in variant of the program. Look back Friday. It's not really a look back, it's really a listen back, but that doesn't just doesn't sound cool. Look back. It's kind of like one syllable, one syllable. Listen back. Or recall the call. Andrew, that's not a bad one. Recall the call Friday. I didn't even think about that one. Let's go to Anne from Minnesota. Uh, her six-year-old is, um, well, getting some feedback, some input toward Mom about his ways
1: i have a son he's adopted um he had he was part of the family before my second cousin and i got him when he was 13 months old um and i had some friends who helped me out a lot back at that time and for the last few years they've been extremely helpful um they've been helpful in many practical ways i've also kind of let them know what struggles we were having at the time Um, for example my son was having some severe attachment issues and he could get really aggressive with me um, and with uh, people who were in like caretaker roles so like his aunts or his grandma Um, but other than that he was he was pretty okay he played fairly well with friends and stuff like that the last time that he got aggressive with me honestly was last June so we've come a long way however Um, These same friends of mine, they ended up becoming his godparents. A few months ago, back in September, they started to have these issues that they didn't originally tell me about. I didn't find out about them until January, Um, and they've been using language, I guess, and telling people like the school or other friends of ours, their parents, just other people in, in his support system that my son is he's violent and aggressive and that he is attacking their children, that he is targeting their children, things like that. And I just, I don't honestly, I honestly don't see the same things that what they're describing. I don't see attacking. I see a boy just wanting to wrestle or I see a kid responding to other kids the same way that they've treated him, things like that. Normal kid stuff, as far as I know. Um, And I'm just kind of in this, really tricky position now where I'm like, you know, I I guess I can see where they're coming from. I think they've been put in a difficult position having known all of his issues in the past and still letting him play with their kids, even though as far as I know, he hasn't had these behaviors with kids. And yet I almost feel like I don't want to be friends with them anymore, even though they're his godparents. And I just um I have a whole lot of different thoughts oh, that, on the that, matter, and I don't quite know what to and do. And that it.
3: could be that could be the that could be the last option here. We got things we can do before we get to that point. First step. Okay. Go to these people and get specifics. You want to know? I did. You're not there to defend your son. You want to say, please tell me. I want to know what's going on. As they describe it, you may be thinking to yourself, oh, wait a minute. Come on, man. Now there's two guys wrestling around. Okay, so my kid got a little rough. All right. No, no. Don't don't dispute. Just hear it out. Hear it out. I then you make a judgment.
1: And then as I All looked right. at it, like over a month, I was like, yeah, I seriously don't see what they're looking at. At first, I took everything that they said and went, oh, gosh, they must be completely right Um, Because he has had issues in the past. So I I initially took everything they said at face value. Um, But over time, as I've been watching him and watching various behaviors of his, I really don't think it's the same thing going on as what they've described.
3: Well, here's the problem. You observe him when he's with you. You don't observe him when he's not with you and he's with them and he's at the school. Different context. So what I would suggest is you find out also from the school what he's doing, and you have them set up a little system so that you know exactly what their complaint is about what he's doing at the school,
1: okay, the then school you deal with that it at home. Zero issues, and that oh, that's good. All right. School.
3: That's a good sign. That's a very good sign, then. So that leaves us with your friends, uh, godparents, actually. Ask them mm-hmm. point blank, what would you want me to do about this? are you asking that he not play with your kids? Is that what you're asking? Or it might be as straightforward as, then let's keep him supervised when they're playing together. Rather than saying, you know what, I don't really want to be around you anymore if that's how you're going to view my kid. So once you find out, and perhaps they they may be of the mindset, and I don't know this, and maybe you do more than me, they may be of the mindset of, well, it's got to be your kid because it's not my kid. That happens a lot. So you find that out. Now, you time. did say something. Yeah, yeah you got to find out, and you got to ask him, what would you like me to do about this? Maybe the best thing to do is we supervise. We don't let them play downstairs in the basement where trouble can erupt, and we don't know who did what to whom, when, where, and how much. Now, here's the other thing you said, and I'm going to talk about this in a future look-back call. You got him at 13 months. I'm going to assume that that 13 months and the womb environment may not have been the greatest. Is that a they safe assumption? That's okay. That's a
1: very good assumption. Which, they were not good.
3: Which, okay. Which means, now I can't say this about your son. I can say it in general. When that is the history There is a higher chance that this is going to be a harder to raise kid, maybe a little more impulsive, maybe slower to form a conscience, maybe a little more sneaky, those kinds of things. It happens. It happens more than when you have a good womb with a good early history and all of that. So it's possible that your little guy is aware of when he can do these things and when he can't. He won't do them with you, all right? And he won't do them at school, But in interacting with other kids, he may see that, uh, you know, it's kind of a loosey-goosey sort of interaction, and I can let some of my impulses hang out. Two things to comment on that call. At the very beginning, Mom said he initially had attachment issues. Uh, That is a very common conclusion made by both parents and experts alike. My experience, and I think there's backing for this, this is not the main source of the problem. This is a byproduct of the problem. What I mean by that is that if this young boy, you know, mom, mom was trying to, Socialize him. I mean, she got him at 13 months. Bad history. Bad womb environment. So she's really she's making up lost ground. And what appears to be attachment issues is just part of an overall picture of I'm harder to socialize. So I really many adoptive parents say they got attachment issues, attachment issues. Most of the time attachment issues occur when a kid has been bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced. Through eight, nine, ten foster placements and settings. Yeah, the more of those, the more likely he's going to be slow to bond with anybody around him. Second thing, behavior is contextual. By that I mean, Mom said, "I don't." She she said she observed him in in those circumstances. She watched and she didn't see it all right maybe part of her question to the other parents is when you tell me exactly what he did i was watching so so tell me how you interpreted what he did however she's probably better off saying to her son if i get reports that somebody thinks you did this, I'm going to act on it. Well, Dr. Marie, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Maybe the other kid started it. Here's the problem: the child is already getting to the point where people don't want to be around him. Now you could say, well, they're being unfair. They're not giving him enough leeway. And that may that may very well be true. But if you still want him to play with kids more cooperatively and to be more pleasant in those situations then as a parent you're going to have to say if i get a bad report i'm going to act on it i'm not going to question it i'm not going to say well wait a minute but dr ray wait a minute if he didn't if he didn't do anything all that bad why are you disciplining him because obviously he did something that caused the people to react this way now if mom were in my office I would do a lot of digging I would want to know what it is about her son that she feels she needs to protect that's fair enough maybe she feels so bad about his history Maybe she feels he's misunderstood. She did say something significant. Remember she said, he's had a history of this, but he's better. Well, okay, if you've had a history, that makes it more likely that you could have hiccups. You may not be as consistently that way as you were two years ago, but you still kinda can do it depending upon the circumstances. The other thing is this. In unstructured situations, which is playing with other kids, games cooperative if a child has some problems with his impulses that's where it's going to come out it's unstructured he's being asked to make social judgments that he's too immature to make maybe another six-year-old would make them maybe this little guy isn't so i think mom's best bet on this is to say she said remember she said well I initially took at face value what they said but then I realized they're wrong or something thereof I would say regroup on that and take the report as though something did happen and then then deal with it when you ask the people what was it and do you have ideas on what I might do we had to do that with a lot of our kids They were very well-behaved around us because they knew our rules. They got into unstructured situations, and we had to act ex post facto, after the fact. 60 on
5: 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope.
0: The Second Commandment you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The disclosure of a name in the ancient world belonged to the order of trust and intimacy. And so when God revealed his name to Moses, it was an extraordinary outreach to us, saying uh, that we were called to an intimate, trusting relationship with him. And so we should always reverence this name as a great gift. We should obviously never use God's name to curse or to blaspheme or to berate others. God's name is meant to bring blessing. And likewise, the vain use. Vain means empty. Uh, So some of these expressions like, oh my God, or you know, and so on, uh, need to be avoided as well. Vain means empty, and those are using God's name as an empty kind of expression of exasperation. And then finally, never ever to use God's name to swear an oath falsely. God is the God of truth. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain.
5: For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com
0: the idea
2: that the united states of america should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against god makes me choke i mean there are some people who seem to think that the problem in america is simply between conservatives and liberals between democrats and republicans but these group distinctions are not the most important distinction the real division is between those who are being drawn to christ and those who are fleeing him all humans are created in the image of God and we are made for a loving relationship with our Creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. And those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in His mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover.
4: Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
3: I've got all your passwords. I say, oh, thank heavens. Can you send them to me? This is Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. This, of course, is Look Back Friday. Taking some calls. This call from Amy, Minnesota. Amy was told to abort her son. And she I- didn't. So let's... Uh, Let's see what the story is.
6: I have a 13-year-old son who um, was born with congenital hydrocephalus. Um, at the 20-week ultrasound, we found out, and we were counseled to abort. And of course, we did not do that. And um,
3: Amy, who counseled and, you to abort?
6: Um, the multiple, the multiple doctors that we had. Um, both our our regular OBGYN and then the specialty doctors.
3: And what was their point? What what was their rationale that you should abort?
6: Because the quality of life concern and all the, um, things like that. I mean, it wasn't even, it didn't even cross our radar.
3: I know it didn't, but they decided what quality of life your son would have. They decided that.
6: Precisely.
3: Yes. I know. Godlike, isn't it? godlike oh yeah that, that that just disgusts me beyond words that they would say you, "You, this child isn't gonna live very long and he's not gonna have a quality of life as we define it of course and I wonder who in God's eyes is much closer to him than all those well-educated people go ahead so go ahead Amy sorry
6: exactly no um yeah a hundred percent agreed with you on that and um and of course, that made the last half of the pregnancy since that was at the 20-week ultrasound where they found out um, that he had hydrocephalus. Um, and and we had just, ironically enough, gone through the counseling saying that we are, we're Catholic. We don't want any of these extra measures done and all of that. Anyway, long story short, yes, my son has made our... Both my husband and I, better people. Do we still have miles and miles to go? Yes, of course. But, um, and and this is something that I've, you know, I'm I'm a parent to parent counselor, on the side. I'm I'm a speech language pathologist and have been for the last twenty to thirty years almost. Um, and and so that has also put a place in my heart for children or adults with. Special health needs.
3: Um, Amy, were you the I, I only one? It. You and your husband, the only ones who stood alone and said, "We want to give life to this child." Was there anyone else who admired you for doing this?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, my, I, we had the support of our family. I'm I'm from a large Catholic family, and so is my mom and. Um, my husband's not necessarily but I he's come around, you know, <laughs> to the face and um but not in the medical field. We had one doctor that was
3: the very smart people, demanding. not among the smart people.
6: <laughs> well, I don't know. Our family's pretty smart too, but well, I'm being uh, but facetious. No, I'm being facetious. That. That's that's uh, totally, dumb. Totally. Yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous and, and I still, you know, I I'm seeking a different profession because I've worked in the public schools for this long. And, and this is one of the things that I think about a lot because we have a, an amazing story. You know, um, our son is, has definitely a lot of needs. He has seizures daily. Um, he's on three different meds three times a day. I could go on and on. But he's lovely, hilarious, crazy, obnoxious. You know what I mean? He's all these things. He's not toilet-trained. He's just a mixture of things that are both a blessing and a
3: He's a mixture of things there. that make him have a wonderful quality of life.
6: Exactly, and we try our best.
3: Similar thing happened with my wife and I. One of our sons was uh, two weeks before due date not developing. Small, small in the womb did an ultrasound, and the speculation was that there could have been something called corpus callosum agenesis. Extreme case, that's a pretty severe neurological defect. Could be institution for life. we got to believe, we don't know the history there, what it was that motivated birth mom to carry our son to birth. But she did. And I got to believe, similar to Amy, perhaps everyone outside of her family and maybe within her family said, OK, wait a minute, you can't take this chance. This child is going to have no quality of life. This child is going to be an institution. You think the people there will care about your son like you would? you got to do the right thing. She did the right thing. She gave birth to our son. He's a sergeant at Fort Hood. Used to be called Fort Hood. It's been renamed. I'm not sure of the new name. It was a shadow on the ultrasound. The, uh, the ultrasound was incorrect. Now, there, there is this godlike arrogance, unbelievable, infinite arrogance that says, We decide that Amy's son isn't going to live accordingly to our standards. They take the humanity of Amy's son and say, well, because he has these risks, these problems. Significant. No, he's arguing they're not significant. But it would be better if he didn't have life, would it not? Who would it be better for, Amy's son or everybody around him? Because Amy's saying he brings joy to our life. He brings blessing to our life. Many parents will say to me who have a a developmentally delayed, handicapped, severe, significantly disabled situation to say, I never, ever thought, I never thought in my wildest dreams that I could handle something like this. And not only do I, but I get joy out of it. It brings so much into my life. Because they, they didn't anticipate what this child could do for them. They didn't know. It wasn't real. It was all abstract. Boy, I could never handle that. And then not only do they handle it, but they heroically handle it. And they don't... While they sacrifice they also get great joy they never would have anticipated that it was beyond their prediction amy said i'm not going to kill my son he's 13 now sounds like he has an awful lot of physical issues but yet there's so much about his personality that is attractive and appealing and as i said I wonder who's closer to God, her son or all the smart people that said, kill him.
4: If you're an optimistic catholic will you live longer i'm chuck adika and this is journey strong my wife susan and i recently lost a dear friend who almost made it to age 99 varied studies suggest that we may have a better chance of living to near 100 if we are both emotionally aware and hold a positive attitude about life. Being optimistic is a Catholic thing, or it should be. We hold views that include man and God prevailing over darkness and evil, and all human life being highly valued and unique. All positive. But we need more than worldly optimism. We need true theological hope. The Catechism states, Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now that's hope. For more on this, look to the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
5: Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. I encourage you to look at a report that came out several years ago by Americans United for Life. It's called UNSAFE. And this idea its something else that has been pushed out there by the media and by Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations that there are all these safety measures that were put into place when Roe versus Wade became legal. But as Father Frank Pavone and so many others say, abortion never ever ever changed, really. It went from the back alley to Main Street with little or no restrictions or protections. Many of the independent abortion facilities are less regulated than your local nail salon or hair salon. The fact that they have to quote-unquote work on their messaging shows that we are making a difference. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9
6: a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio.
3: Real nice to have you with me, Dr. Ray Gurendi. Program Doctor is in. Look back Friday. Let's go straight to it. Ah, uh, let's see. Jim is talking about a situation very, very, very common. I personally believe this is probably more common than at any time in Christian history, which is children who are raised in the faith. In faith-filled families, attempting to pass on the faith, are leaving the faith, well over 50 percent. Now, even in the very earliest days of Christianity, when living the faith was (laughs) a real threat, the kids, if they were taught the faith by parents who wanted to live the faith, the kids, in great numbers, Now, I have no statistics on this, but everything, because we know the faith grew exponentially, more likely stayed in the faith. They stayed with what they were raised with. It's not happening now. And it's a testament to our culture's ability to reshape their souls.
2: I'm listening to your radio program, and and I'm very thankful uh, that the first two callers had well, actually, the last caller had a very good outcome with her daughter. Uh, my wife and I did not have the same outcome. Um, very similar story. My daughter was, uh, we're originally from Erie, Pennsylvania, and my daughter was a third year Penn State student. Straight A's, you know, straight A's. She was doing very well in college. And her third year of college, she came home, and I said, you know, be good for you to stay busy during the summer and uh, get a part-time job so she did she found a she got a job at subway and from that point her life started to turn around she met a a, uh, a man uh, about her age there and um, they started dating while she was home during during the summer she went back to college in her senior year and uh... found out she was sneaking back home from penn state the main campus to pennsylvania seeing this young man and um my wife, well, whole family's Catholic, and uh, we're not uh, agreeing to the sex before marriage thing. But uh, you know, we can't control every aspect of, of everything. We can only do the best we can with our children. Right now, she uh, was sneaking back and forth, and she finally ended up saying, to "Mom and Dad, I'm not going to school anymore. I'm moving in with this guy." And we did the tough love thing we said well we're not going to support your college we're not going to support your lifestyle hey
3: jim 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 well, man, she... let me let me just jump in a second sure sure, sure you sure. didn't do the tough love thing jim you did the love thing go ahead
2: okay well thank you doctor for clearing that up but so we're thinking okay well listen if she's we're not gonna we're not gonna enable her behavior with this man she already she already quit school Where she got the support was from from my in-laws. My father-in-law and mother-in-law enabled this young girl to go down the rabbit hole of just problems. Ever since she left the house, she left her mother and father and, and found that her grandparents were the enablers. And they enabled her to, they paid her rent, they paid her car, they paid her bills. They did everything behind our back, and we pleaded with them. We begged them, don't do this. Look at what's happening. Well, needless to say, they never stopped enabling my daughter. She ended up getting pregnant, and she never went back to school. She ended up getting pregnant, but she wanted to abort the baby. And so she took this morning after pill or whatever. I don't know what it was, but we we're hearing bits and pieces because she dropped communication with her parents off completely it's almost like she became a Hare Krishna (laughs) but she ended up wanting to give the child away with this this young man didn't even visit the baby when it was born the baby was born prematurely and has birth defects because of what she did to the baby
3: where's where's your daughter now Jim Jim where's your daughter now
2: my daughter is in Erie Pennsylvania with not one child but two children from the same man, she doesn't live with him. She never, never finished college, and she's living in my in-laws' house. So uh, she's my father-in-law she's, died. Okay,
3: Jim, I'm gonna cut you off. We're, six, we're gonna run out of time here. Yeah, your oh, sorry, your sorry. your in-laws basically fed this, and uh, your daughter has never quite pulled it together yet.
2: Exactly, exactly, and 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 they're Catholic, and they're full-blown religious. They we celebrated holidays together, Easter, Christmas, uh, baptisms, you name it. But they enabled her and failed to see the damage they were doing. And I never seen this coming. My wife never saw it coming. She never talked to her parents ever again.
3: Well, Jim, you're basically warning other parents, be careful about the relatives that are doing the good as they see it when, in fact, they're hurting your child. That's really your message. And unfortunately, there's a lot of relatives out there now who have basically been swept up in the new and enlightened cultural way of thinking. And that is what is happening. And those people like yourself who are attempting to do a wise thing, a good thing, the hard thing, you called it tough love. It's not tough love, it's love, are the ones that are the bad guys. You're heartless, you're soulless. And even now, your in-laws are probably not even trying to get your daughter to reconcile with you because their view is, oh, your parents just did you so wrong. Jim, thank you for the call warning other parents. The phrase I've used, I call it being so kind were cruel. I could only speculate on the grandparents' motive. I suspect they thought that dad was horridly overreactive and saying, all right, well, I'm not going to support you if you're going to move in with a guy and you're going to quit college, which makes perfect sense to me. Support what? But the grandparents' attitude is we have to love. Love without truth can damage a person. truly can because they're loving her into letting her make a mess of her life i don't know what their motive was maybe it was she'll straighten out eventually so in the meantime we have to we have to keep her afloat but you see what happened now this many years later she's out of the faith two kids out of wedlock they're going to grow up without a daddy probably unless she marries and then this guy's got to take on her kids and who knows what feelings and attraction he'll have toward them it's just a mess it's an absolute mess and the interesting thing is my experience as a shrink is that when people see the outcome of their misguided Love, as they label it, they don't generally say I was wrong i I acted in the way I thought was the the good Christian way to act, but I hurt her. It's like the parent who says, I have a 22 year old living in my house. He's uncooperative. He's disrespectful. He's lazy. He's not helping at all. He won't find a job. He won't get off his two feet. But I can't can't put conditions and then have him leave if he doesn't meet them because that would just be too mean. But what they don't acknowledge is that they're being very very mean by allowing him to proceed with this kind of self-destructive behavior which was what the girl was doing I don't know how I would react if I had relatives that did this to my kid my christianity wouldn't let me write them off or not forgive them but i'm i'm sure i would have more reluctance In my relationship with them because essentially what they said was we don't care what you wish to do as a parent we think you're wrong and we're gonna do it our way it's like the cliche love is love first of all what the heck does that mean Because if love is not bound by some kind of reason or some kind of want for the good of the other person, it's just a license to do everything you want. Yeah, I wish Jim were in my office because I'd really want to explore a lot further how this dynamic went down. And I would wonder if those grandparents thought... That Jim and his wife, in the way that they raised their daughter, was too religiously rigid. And you can be religiously rigid, but all too often parents get accused of being religiously rigid when they're just faithful. When they're when they're trying to raise a child with more than three dollars worth of religion. When they're trying to raise a child that is a bit out of sync with the cultural morals. Because much of Christianity is now being swallowed up by the culture. I would love to explore all of that. I'm Dr. Ray.
5: Ciao amici. Hello, friends. Teresa Tomio here. Ever notice that common sense isn't so common anymore? Each time we check our news feeds or turn on the TV, it seems the world is getting wackier. Well, we desperately need to return to basic common sense. And Rosie Posey, my mom, a street smart theologian from Jersey City, is just the person we need to help us restore it. So if you need a little bit more help with some common sense or know someone else who needs it, pick out my new book on our store, Everything's Coming Up, Rosie, at AveMariaRadio.net's online store.
2: As Catholic parents, we know that parenting can be hard, Frustrating and lonely.
5: But it doesn't have to be that way anymore.
2: I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm
5: Lisa Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's Catholic H-O-M dot
2: com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you.
5: At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day.
2: Get expert help with discipline issues. Self-care. Creating a stronger marriage. Living your faith at home. Or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world.
5: In addition to the personalized expert support, you'll get, as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources.
2: Check out entertaining videos that teach your kids to get along with each other and love the Lord. Downloadable activities. Monthly live parenting Q&As.
5: A supportive community of faithful parents.
2: And tons of other benefits, like our exclusive Catholic Home podcast.
5: Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home community.
2: Remember, that's CatholicHOM.com. We can't Can't wait wait to to see you you there. there
3: Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy, program Dr. Is Ian TV program, really believe right with Dr. Ray Now in his 13th season we've Got all new shows coming up so that's that's kind of exciting. Well, don't have enough time. I'm looking at the time for those other calls and looking at the time till the end of the show, and it just won't fit. Not without giving me time to talk some more, and that's that's the deal breaker right there. Doesn't give me time to talk some more. Had a mother come into my office. A 16 year old son was uh, pretty difficult. I mean, he might have been 17 senior she was a single mom and she had a lot of trouble with him he made friends with a a school personnel person school personnel person very good ray who listened to him complain about his mother how awful she was how constricting she was how unfair she was etc and this individual believed him just took at total face value what he said not seeming to recognize that uh, this could very much be a lot of his 16, 17-year-old perception. Didn't do much consultation with mom. So she said, given your mother's permission, you can live here. I don't know how close the boy was to 18. It may have been he was a senior he was 18. I don't remember the exact details. But he went to live with her. She was going to essentially save him from his mother. Well, after about, I forget how many months, five, six, she released him back to his mother. Apparently, she found out that, uh, well, he wasn't exactly that easy to get along with, he wasn't so cooperative. And when the bloom fell off the rose, living with her, she really couldn't take much of him anymore. Found it fascinating that mom pretty much was dealing with him for several years. I think there was a divorce and dad left and so mom was a single mom. And then the crusader who said, I'll save you from your wretched, wicked witch of the West mother. And she was no such thing, by the way handled him for about six months (laughs) and then she thought oh oh you know maybe what he was saying about his mom was kind of colored by his perceptions that that could be huh (laughs) i gotta believe that the 21 year old girl who got all the support from her grandparents probably gave her grandparents a real earful on how unreasonable and rigid and unfair her parents were. And she tries so hard to be a good child. And The grandparents said, that's okay. We love you. We'll help you so you can have two kids out of wedlock with the dad not around. This is Dr. Ray. Appreciate the company so very much. Walk with God.
0: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.